Okay, hi everyone. So I actually I did I did a test positive for COVID, um, but uh, so far I'm basically very mild to no symptoms at all. Hopefully that will continue. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, the only thing that would be annoying. Right. So that <laughs> it was a, a risk benefit analysis in, in terms of um, is it worth isolating from my family and allowing my kids to get back to school 10 days earlier, um, but then leaving my wife alone to watch the five kids and still work and still clean the house because there's no nanny coming anymore either. And the answer was that for our Sandy, um, <laughs> I think the kids are just not going to be in school for a long time. <laughs> and then hopefully we don't have one of those situations, which sometimes people have, where one member of the family catches it. And then another member of the family catches it eight days later. Another member of the family catches it another eight days later. And then essentially you're all in quarantine for, you know, 35 days or something like wow. that. Yeah, but ho hopefully everybody will get better quickly uh, or won't get it at all. Uh, so far, it's only me. So we'll see what happens. Are you symptomatic? I, I, I don't know. I I don't know. Did you lose smell? The taste, taste, no. smell. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't lose taste or smell. Um, if I didn't know I was positive, I, 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 someone told me he, was, someone who I was with on Tuesday afternoon, told me on Thursday that he thinks he might have it because someone had told him, and then he texted me. I said I, I made an appointment on Friday morning. And then he texted me on Friday that he had it for sure. At that point, I was, oh, maybe I have some symptoms. Thursday night, I thought I might have felt something. Um, I don't know. Like I think, I think if I didn't, if I didn't know I had it, I don't think I would consider it symptoms at all. I, I exercised today. Like I went on the elliptical. Like I'm, whatever. I'm really, I'm, I think I'm really fine. All right. Okay. Well, take yourself. Yeah. Thank, thank you. I will. Uh, New glasses. Uh, yeah, I wear them. Yeah. Yes, they are glasses. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get started. So we are up to, we're finishing up letter four now. And really we're just finishing the, the concept that he dealt with previously, which is he's really just hammering home the point, two, two different points at the same time, which is that the, our free will is what defines us as humans. And when we look at the rest of the world and the inanimate objects that operate based on God's plan, based on what we call the rules of nature, and they listen to the rules of nature. They are predetermined and there's nothing that they can deviate from. And then we have to ask ourselves if the creations, the, the, ma the majesty of the natural creations is constantly echoing exactly what God's vision is for it, for it, then certainly we have the obligation to do so, so much more so. So then he just finishes by quoting the two different, uh, one, one is a, a chapter, actually they're both chapters in Tehillim in Psalms. They're beautiful chapters. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all which he lets ripen for thee, that he forgives all thy per perversities, that he heals all thy ailments, that he redeems thy life from the grave, that he crowns thee with love and compassion that he satisfies with good things that which adorns thee, that thou mayest renew like the eagle thy youth. Sunken man, like grass are his days, like the flower of the field he blooms. If a wind passes over him, he is no more. His place knows him no more. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from eternity to eternity unto those who revere him, and his mercy endures unto the children's children, to such as keep his covenant. And remember his mandates to fulfill them, 
For he, even as he has founded his throne in heaven, rules in majesty throughout all things. Bless him, therefore, O his messengers, who girded in strength, fulfill his word, obeying the word, the voice of his word. Bless him, all his hosts, his servants, fulfillers of his will. Bless him, all his creatures in every place of his kingdom. And thou too, O my soul, bless the Lord. He's trying to express what our attitude should be about life. He's trying to convince the listener with a poetic writing. Rav Hirsch himself was very inclined to poetry. And I think not just the youth of that age, but everyone was inclined to poetry in Germany at this time in the, in the 1830s. That was something that anybody who was uh, you know, somewhat intellectual would, would definitely incline to. So this is buttressing his points by bringing the, this really inspired, you know, divine the inspired poetry from Psalms. I want to do one footnote, really, that we could have done last week already. And that footnote is a little bit further back on page 59. So what we are reading is the idea that he mentions that when it comes to all other creatures and all other creations, the voice of God speaks in or through them because they are mandated to listen, but there's no, there's no free will involved. So we actually see the voice of God expressed through their actions without any ability for them to decide, are they going to listen or not? Whereas humans, we have the ability to choose whether or not we want to listen. So therefore, when he speaks to us, we are <laughs> challenged to accept the voice of God voluntarily. So if you look at footnote number 11 on page 72, on the one hand, as the author stresses, Man's uniqueness lies in his freedom of will, whether to serve God or to disobey him. On the other hand, all other decisions about his life are in the hands of God. Thus, man's self is truly summed up in his will. In other words, when you're trying to define who are you at your core, what defines you as a person? The only thing that defines us is going to be our will. Man is what he wants, right? So the way to define who a person is, is based on what does he strive for? What does he have a will to try to accomplish in this world? That's the way to define people. Hence the phrase in Tehillim, in Psalms, Ve'ani tefilati lecha Hashem, has been translated, I am what my supplication is, turn to you, O God. In other words, what, what Tehillim is expressing, what Psalms is expressing, written by King David, is that the way to define who we are is based on what we strive for, what we desire in life. That is the definition of who we are as, a, as an individual, who we are as a people. That way to define that is based on what we are actually striving for in life. Okay, let's get started with letter number five, and then we'll continue tomorrow night. So letter number five is interesting because it begins... By telling us on page 75 now, your latest letter confirms my opinion about you, dear Benjamin. Now, the problem is we don't have Benjamin's latest letter, right? Now, obviously, because Benjamin is a fictional character, right? And Naftali is also a fictional character. So he's really just, it, this is all a, uh, a setup, a tableau, right? Where he's trying to set up all of the different points that he wants to bring out about Judaism. However, it's not even so clear what it is that the latest letter confirms his opinion about what, 
So I think as we go, we'll get a better sense of exactly what is being confirmed by what he's coming to explain in greater detail to exclude that which had been expressed by Benjamin in this uh, fictional letter. After contemplating heaven and earth and all their hosts, or even one single creature alone, and listening to our definition of man's purpose, no youthful person who can still be impressed by noble ideas. That's a, that's a very important point there, right? Why, why is that an important point? Because I think we all know that there's an idealism that many people have when they are younger. And unfortunately, it goes away as we get older and we develop more of a, a sense of reality, let's call it, right? Or that this is the way life is going to be and there's no way to change it. Now, oftentimes that might be true, but if that's our attitude in life, then nothing will ever get done, right? So the, the youth, right, is given to the young, the, this idea of like they can really change things and, and the idealism that they have. So he's saying that someone who is still youthful, and youthful is not obviously dependent on age. It's really dependent on mindset. You were still young. You should be able to recognize and exactly what I'm trying to tell you and understand the reality. Could fail shamefacedly to cast away his idols of silver and gold and that super idol, indulgence in pleasure. In other words, what I've expressed to you already, it should already have brought you past the point that you were making in your rejoinder to me in the letter that is a reply that we don't see. Such insight and the relinquishing of these idols should not, however, lead to lethargic inactivity. In other words, it would seem to be that what he had said back to him is, you're telling us what we shouldn't be doing and how we're supposed to use our free will to decide what we shouldn't do in life. But what do we do then? On the contrary, they call for resolutely taking hold of all that the world offers, not, however, as an end in itself, but in order to use it as a mere means. The richer God allows you to become an inner and outer wealth, the more completely you are required to fulfill his will and the more encompassing your task becomes. Okay, so we'll continue this letter tomorrow night by Ezra Hashem. And as always, everybody stay safe and uh, the vaccine is coming. Hold on until it gets here. Take care, everyone. Be well. Good night.